Welcome to the Michigan Minds Podcast, a quick and informative analysis of today's top issues from University of Michigan faculty. I am a professor in the Department of Health Behavior and Health Education in the School of Public Health. And I am also the Associate Director of the Detroit Community Academic Urban Research Center. I've been interested in understanding how uh, racism affects health in African-American Black young people, uh, adolescents, and uh, young adults have been the main populations that I've looked at. And I've been really interested in understanding how do experiences like racial discrimination lead to uh, increases in negative uh, mental health. I'm trained as a clinical psychologist. But I've also been interested in understanding how these things relate to physical health as well. So in our work, we've looked at the links between the frequency with which uh, youth experience discrimination um, and how that affects things like depressive symptoms, anxiety, um, how stressed the youth feel. We've even looked at, you know, how much trouble they're getting into at school as examples of kind of psychological behaviors. And then also, more recently, kind of health-related behaviors, so things like blood pressure, cardiovascular function, those types of things. So a primary goal is to really look at that link between racism and health. Um, over the course of my career, you know, we've you know, pretty much been able to detail that there's a connection and it's a bad one. And so I've also been interested in understanding what types of things can disrupt the link between racism experiences and health in young people. And my work has tended to focus on cultural factors that allow you to be resilient. So thinking about things like racial identity, how important is being Black to a kid? What does it mean to be African-American? There's evidence that that protects against some of the negative effects of discrimination. I've also been interested in something we call racial socialization. So that's how do parents talk to their kids about race? And are there specific messages that can mitigate some of the negative effects of discrimination uh, on negative mental health outcomes? So, you know, if I had to kind of sum it up in a couple of strands, it would really be what is the link between racism experiences like discrimination in health and what are cultural factors that can kind of protect against some of the negative mental health effects and physical health effects of discrimination and racism. Um, as a psychologist, I've been interested for a really long time in racism at the individual level, uh, which is oftentimes referred to as racial discrimination. And we know that racial discrimination is linked with a number of deleterious mental health outcomes. So any uh, psychological mental health problem you can think of, there's probably been a study uh, linking discrimination to that negative outcome um, in Black youth. So things like um, increase in depressive symptoms, increases in anxiety distress. I mentioned earlier things like heightened stress, uh, higher blood pressure, higher you know, problems with your heart. And, you know, we, we know a lot more about the relationship with older African-Americans in terms of, you know, cancer and the number of health disparities. It's linked to life expectancy, uh, so on and so forth. But we think that 
racism and discrimination begins to impact folks um, very early on in life. And as they leave home and are exposed to more stressors, um, that increases the total stress burden, which in turn um, has implications uh, for their health. Um, there are a number of studies that suggest that this pattern starts very early on in life. It's not something that just happens you know, in adulthood, but even um, by the time folks are entering adulthood, um, you know, young adults, there have been studies linking discrimination experiences to markers that are linked to how long you're going to live. And so the stress um, that is associated with discrimination is one of the primary mechanisms by which discrimination is believed to influence both mental and physical health. Okay, so that's, that's one primary uh, way um, that discrimination is linked to, to mental health. One of the things I've been increasingly interested in is that we know racism is not only operating at an individual level, so person to person, um, but there are ways in which racism operates at an institutional level or a cultural level, some of the languages, symbols, media that we see, and those things um, have implications as well. So if you think about um, institutional racism, um, I know there's a lot of discussion right now around the police and the um, justice system, but think about things like segregation, which impact people's access to um, employment and education opportunities, uh, they have implications for people's access to quality health care. And so another way in which um, racism and racial uh, discrimination experiences can influence health um, is through an impact on what people have access to. We know also that employment and education are linked with um, health outcomes. So even though that's not person-to-person -person discrimination, someone calling someone a racial epithet, in, uh, racism at those other levels also um, has implications for health. What we've seen in terms of some of the racial health disparities uh, with uh, Black and African-American populations uh, is not really new. Uh, it's consistent with other patterns um, that we've seen with um, a host of other diseases that um, we are familiar with. So the pattern itself is not new. I think that um, it's played out in some different ways, in part due to uh, kind of the unique circumstances around COVID in terms of the isolation that people are experiencing in terms of um, social distancing and thinking about, you know, some of the practices that are necessary to prevent COVID from spreading. So in terms of having access to clean water brings up discussions around institutional and environmental racism, for example. And so uh, I don't, again, know that there's anything new here, but it's forced us to kind of think about unique ways in which some of the stress burden that African-Americans experience is exacerbated by the disease. I'll give you another example um, that's been quite of interest uh, in recent uh, months with regard to African-American youth in particular is the issue of loss. So we know that African-Americans are disproportionately um, affected and more likely to know someone who has um, been diagnosed and actually died from COVID um, and to lose family members. And so that has implications for um, parents being lost, uh, losing caretakers. Um, and we know that when you lose um, someone early on in life, um, that's actually associated with more negative health outcomes um, later on. 
So again, um, that's not a new finding. We know that loss is associated with poor health outcomes, um, but COVID um, is unique in that it raises these additional um, kinds of stressors um, that are well associated um, with negative mental health outcomes and, and health in general. I'll just add one more um, piece to this uh, conversation, and that is that for many uh, youth of color um, and African-American youth, the primary you know, sort of medium that they receive mental health services is in their schools. And so you can imagine with the closing of schools and with the move to distance learning, there's a limit to people being able to access um, some of the um, strategies that are well known um, for helping them navigate stress and difficult circumstances. And so if folks don't have access to um, the internet, and they don't have access to everyday counselors, it raises real concerns about what the toll may be um, on African-American youth mental health um, down the line. You know, part of the definition of structural racism is that it's, uh, it's part of the fabric um, of society. It's part of the air we breathe. And so in terms of its impact on that, I certainly don't think it's going to make it go away um, or mitigate it. If anything, it might kind of reinforce uh, some of the structures that are already there. You know, one of the things um, that I was interested in a couple weeks ago is when I read about the CARES Act and how uh, it was not available to everyone. So um, essential workers, for example, were not eligible for some of the unemployment benefits. Um, this also is the case um, for immigrant populations who do not have access to some of the um, policies and, you know, sort of law that's been put in place to offer support. Um, and so, you know, what is the impact of COVID on structural racism? If you have these kinds of programs, policies, and interventions that don't provide uh, protections um, to the people who most need it, um, what you're going to continue to see is a sort of reinforcement of those um, structures um, that kind of, you know, privilege um, certain people um, in our um, country uh, over others. Um, we know that in times of economic downturn, um, there are, you know, if you go back to 2008, for example, mental health um, really goes on the decline. Um, there's actually an interesting finding where um, overall, um, when we looked at mental health following 2008 economic downturn, it was stable. If you look at it at a population level, um, and it actually improved for some in some cases. But when you looked at the people in society who were um, less resourced, um, you saw that an increase in mental health problems and mental health decline. Um, and so it's really important that we pay attention to all levels and all people and all populations because um, the effects of COVID are not going to be the same um, for everyone in the community. I think that people need to understand that structural racism is a root cause, it's a root factor um, that explains a lot of the reasons uh, that we see, I talk about COVID-19 for a second, uh, many of the disparities play out. So. When we originally started to think about, you know, what are some of the contributing factors um, that explain these racial health disparities, 
people focused on things like chronic or underlying conditions. They talked about occupational vulnerability in terms of um, the types of jobs um, that people are exposed to that require continuous interaction with the public. They talked about inadequate access to testing, et cetera, et cetera. Um, it wasn't until a few weeks after some of those original discussions that uh, many folks um, who study racism started to say, yes, those factors are important, but structural racism is at the root um, of many of those explanations. Well, some of the reasons that poverty exists and that there's a differential have to do with the fact that there's a long-standing tradition in our country of privileging um, whiteness and privileging certain groups over others. Um, some groups are considered superior, um, others inferior, often blacks and people of color. Um, and so some of the reasons that we have the chronic underlying conditions and racial disparities that we see um, have to do with the economic and other policies that have been longstanding in place, things like segregation, things like Jim Crow, um, that positioned certain communities to not have access to things that are required for health. And so that's problematic. If you think about American Indian populations, for example, they've really been hit. They don't have the infrastructure in terms of um, healthcare, well, that's not to any doing of their own. It's because there's a pattern of genocide, unfortunately, um, in our country that led to um, them being, you know, many put on reservations or in places that don't have access to the same resources. So I think what I would say is that, you know, people, some people don't want to talk about racism. They get very upset about using that word. Uh, we can have a debate or argument about what you want to call it. But I don't think anyone would uh, disagree with the fact that there have been longstanding kind of policies in our country um, that have advantaged and disadvantaged um, certain groups. And those things sort of influence who has access to things that promote health. One thing that I like to remind folks is that despite the links between racism, structural racism, and its uh, negative impact on health. We know that there are multiple ways and multiple mechanisms, uh, multiple levels, so individual, institutional, cultural, that really get under the skin and get in the mind. Uh, we also know that this pattern of um, unfortunate circumstances is not new to African-Americans or Blacks or people of color but I always like to end uh, with a little bit of hope. And that is to remind folks that Black people and African-American people in this country have endured years, hundreds of years of mistreatment and negative societal policies, but still have managed to be resilient and strong. And so I am hopeful that even as we um, head into this new chapter in which COVID-19 has uh, reinforced some of the um, structural racism and exacerbated these health disparities um, that we will find new ways um, to um, address the root cause um, and that Black people and other communities of color will emerge resilient and with the same health outcomes um, and health equity that other groups experience. Thank you for listening to the Michigan Minds podcast a production of the University of Michigan. 
Join the conversation on social media with hashtag you Impact.